0: Morning. I was, both both times I saw that uh, trailer for the kids thing downstairs thinking, man, I want to preach that. (laughs) I want to preach the superhero series and might have to uh, make that a matter of prayer uh, that we get to do that. Uh, uh, Let me ask you to do it. How many of you would, how many of y'all like me? Okay, good. Would you humor me today? Humor me by walking past that table and picking up a clipboard. You don't have to do anything with it. Just pick it up. Just, would you humor me? Small groups kicked off last week, and most of the small groups have not met yet. Without doing a sermon right now, I cannot tell you how important small groups are to you. They're important to this church because you need them. You need to be connected to a small group. So, Walk by, just walk by the table and see what we're offering. Uh, I think we've got seven small groups. There's something, there's, a, there's a small group every one of you adults can fit in, I guarantee it. Just walk by the table, see what we got there, and please connect. Okay, we've got to get into this this morning. <clears throat> and uh, this is probably going to be a, a series, probably a three-week series. And, uh, you know, let's, God tells me I've missed it next week and said so we've got to do something else. But, uh, and we're talking about the R word. Now, there's a lot of words to start with R, right? And so could be anything, right? Well, let me give you some hints. It, this is something that everybody has. You know, everybody, you have it. Turn the person next to you and say, you got it. Yeah. But but here's the thing is, but most people don't want it. Now, now look back at that person and say, uh-huh, uh-huh yeah, uh, yeah. You don't really you got it, but you don't want it. It's one of those kinds of things. Most of us don't want it. But we all want the other person to have it. I mean, we want to point our fingers and say, you've got, I, I, I don't really want, it, but I want you to have it. And as a matter of fact, we actually try to give it to other people. Sometimes we'll, uh, hand it, try to hand it off and point and say, well, th- this is their R. This is their thing. And we want, want to give it away like that. Well, uh, it, the reason we'll call it the R word is because, you know, we don't like it so much that we don't even really like to even mention the word. I mean, we don't want to use the word and, and, uh, don't 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 even want to talk about it you know this is something that that our kids think they'll eventually grow up one day and they'll never have it again they get, graduate high school they get married uh you know it's moving to their own house they won't have it anymore or, or and you know and and once you know you get my age and older you start thinking about you know a day that you're going to retire and you'll never have this R word ever again you know we would, one of these days I, I just get to quit my job and just just have fun and whatever well here's what this word is this unmentionable word, responsibility. Everybody has it. Most people don't want it, but everybody wants everyone else to have it, don't you? As a matter of fact, you'll even pass it off when you can. So today, let's talk about responsibility. That's that word of prayer. God, I love you and thank you, Lord, for God not shirking your responsibility. As a, as a matter of fact, it wasn't even your responsibility to come to this earth and to rescue us, Lord. And we're the ones that messed up, but God, as Trace has reminded us to press in, God, because you did do that. You took on the responsibility and God, you saw it through all the way to the end. And I just pray, God, you stir within us today uh, right now, God, just a, a desire, Lord, to do the same because you've done this for us, God. It's just what we owe you, Lord, uh, to be responsible for others around us. I pray, God, that you really get in our business today. God, just stir up some stuff, I pray in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Now, you know, most of us, we don't, like I said, we don't want responsibility. And uh, you know, how, I know some of you guys are playing, playing a fall league of softball. How many of you are playing softball right now? You got, you got one? Are you playing, Diane? Oh, oh, used to. <laughs> I thought we had another one going on right here. Uh, how many of you? How many of you are okay? Let me ask this: How many of you are softball players? You've played in the past. You you still see. I'm a softball player. Go ahead and raise your hand. Okay. All right. Now, bottom of the uh, bottom of the seventh, bottom of the ninth, or whatever it is you playing. You know, score score is uh, you're, you're behind by two. The bases are loaded. It's two outs. Okay. How many of you s- softball players? How many of you? Want to be walking up to bat at that time? Raise your hand. How many of you want to be going? Man, I yeah, come on now. You know, uh, that, uh, the real players, they want to be going to bat, don't they? I mean, is that, that's, that's where you want it to be. I mean, you don't want to be the one that, oh, I'd hate to be in his shoes. Oh, man. You, you know, you don't want to send somebody in for me, coach. I don't want to bat right now, man. That's, the, that's what you live for. But that's what you want. That's what you're, you're, you're anxious for. You want, you want to be the guy. That walks up to bat, bases loaded, two outs, down by two, put the ball somewhere in the outfield, or even better yet, maybe over the fence, score four runs, have a walk-off grand slam, win the game. I mean, that's what it is. And we sometimes look at responsibility that same way, you know, lack of hands going up a few moments ago. It's like, no, we don't want responsibility, but that's what you were made for. That's that's a, that's a, that's what God created you for—is to make you responsible for some stuff because He gave you some of those things, but He also made you able to do it. I mean, it's what He's what He's created you for, given you gifts for. He's trained you for it. You know, that's, that's like the, the athlete that walks to, walks to the, to the plate, you know, at that point in the game. I mean, that's what they've trained for. That's not what they waited for. It's the moment in time. I mean, you know, I've, I've been, I was always like a utility guy. Just, I, I, I like playing different positions. So whoever didn't show up that week, you know, that, that's, that's who I play. You know, I got to play that. I was like, you know, hit it to me, hit it to me. You know, uh, that's what you're, you're living for is to, is to have that opportunity of responsibility. So often we shirk it. Let me read you some scripture uh, in the book of Ephesians. I I want you to see a lot of responsibility right here in in just quite a few verses of scripture. Look at all this. Paul writes, "Be, Be very careful then how you live, not as unwise, but live wisely, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. Responsibility, responsibility, responsibility. Speak to one another. You're responsible to speak to one another with psalms, hymns, spiritual songs. Sing, make music in your heart to the Lord. Always giving thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Responsibility. Wives, submit to your husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, as Christ is the head of the church, his body of which he is the Savior. Now as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit to their husbands in everything. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her to make her holy, cleansing her by the washing with water through the word, and to present her to himself as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish, but holy and blameless. And then children, responsibility. Obey your parents and the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with a promise. That it may go well with you and that you may enjoy a long life on the earth. And then back to the fathers. Fathers, don't exasperate your children. Instead, bring them up in the training and the instruction of the Lord. Boom, 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 boom. Responsibility. Responsibility. Resp- You've got responsibility. If you're you're a a husband, you've got responsibility. If you're a wife, you've got responsibility. If you're kids, you've got responsibility. If you're a parent, you've got responsibility. If you're a friend, you've got responsibility. If you're a neighbor, you've got... Every one of us has responsibility. And you can't shirk it, you can't walk away from it, you can't ignore it. You can ignore it for a little while, but God's going to make sure it comes back to you. Every one of us has responsibility, and we've got to step up to the plate. Now, today's subject for this R word... As men, husbands, dads, and just males in general—that's who I really want to focus on here this morning. And I don't want you ladies to go to sleep. You might learn something that you can uh, remind them of later this week that you need to hear. And you know that they, you need to make sure they heard. Say, so, well, wait, You weren't listening to the pastor this Sunday?" I don't want you to go to sleep. I want you to listen to this, okay? But I really want to talk to you. And you know, and, and listen. We've got a lot of young men that you're not married yet. You don't have kids yet. But I want you to listen to this because, listen, you have an opportunity, and and uh, I, might, I was going to say this later, but let me say it right now because I may forget to say it later. You have an opportunity right now to put your life in such a place a lot of us guys that we've messed up, you know, with our marriages, you know, halfway through, and we've made so many mistakes, and or with our kids, you know, we've messed them up, you know, trying to raise them. You've got such a great opportunity to to, to start putting things right now about your. Future and responsibility so that you don't make the mistake. As soon as you walk into a relationship, you're doing it right. As soon as you have the kid, you're doing it right. You, you're, you can learn and do so much right. So, so everybody listen to me. Now I'm going I'm to talk to males, but I'm going to talk a little, probably a little harder to, uh, to husbands, and I'm probably going to talk even a little harder to parents. Let me say this to you. Dad, you are not only a dad when you're out in the backyard throwing a football. That's not your only responsibility as a dad is to teach them to do those things. It's to just show up in the fun times, and you know, and when when uh, they're playing ball or marching in the band, whatever. You are not just a dad when you're in the backyard throwing the football. Granddad, oh, it's awesome to be a granddad. Any granddads in the house? <laughs> I got a two-year-old, and I got a, I got a. What, I got kind of like a T minus two months and counting, uh, grandson that's on his way, you know. And, you know, it's an awesome thing. And, 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 uh, I, I was, I was saying in the early service how, uh, Brooklyn, you know, our little two-year-old, she recognizes the Chevron station. When you get off the interstate, you drive by it. You don't really want her to look to the right because she knows they sell ICs in there. She thinks any building that is blue and white like that, they sell ICs. And, you know, she wants to, and, you know what? I, She doesn't have to ask me twice, you know, as as long as I know I can get away with it from Kristen, you know, or whatever. Then if she asks me once, we're going in to get an icy, It's awesome. But granddad, let me tell you something. Uh, There's a lie out there that, hey, it's my job to spoil them, and then I get to hand them off to mom and dad. No, you are not just a granddad at the candy counter, at the icy counter. You have responsibility. Let me say this to you husbands. You're not just a husband in the bedroom. Sometimes that's what, we, that's what we think we're supposed to be, the husband. No, that's not the only place. You're supposed to be a husband 24 hours a day, seven days a week. You're supposed to always be a husband. And yet sometimes we forget that, except in the bedroom we want to remind the wife maybe, oh, you need to be here the next six weeks. Let's talk a little bit about those things on Wednesday night too. So let me take you to an example this morning. A bad example. I know you don't want to. You, you say, "Well, we ought to go to a good example, and learn good things." You know what? I've always learned something good from bad examples too. Amen. Right? I've always. And so let's, we'll go to a, a bad example if we can. Right now, uh, Jamie, you will. First Kings chapter sixteen. Anybody ever heard of a king Ahab? King Ahab. Look right here. Ahab, son of Omri, did more evil of the eyes of the Lord than any of those before him. Okay, we're getting introduced to this guy. This is a bad guy. And here's what we're going to... Look what we find out about him. He not only considered it trivial to commit the sins of Jeroboam, son of Nebat, but he also married Jezebel, daughter of Ethbaal, king of the Sidonians, and began to serve Baal... Okay, here's what we learn about him, is there were some bad kings in Israel. But of all the kings that Israel ever had, this guy was worse. I mean, get, pick... All the bad folks in all of the nation of Israel, and this guy was worse than all of them. Oh, every every king that ever ever every king, whatever ever happened, I mean, this guy was the bad guy. Uh, he began to serve Baal and, and Elijah the Tishbite. Now, you do know Elijah. Remember, this is not a new Elijah that we're meeting. It just calls him Tishbite so we know who it is because we're just getting introduced to him. Same old Elijah we've always talked about. Elijah uh, said to Ahab, as the Lord God of Israel lives, whom I serve, there will be neither dew nor rain in the next few years except at my word, there'll be neither do nor reign the next year. here's, here's what we 've got to learn from this: is when you 're a king and you're a king over a nation, you're a king over a people, you're a king over a realm, you have some realm under you, and you, and you reign over it. Everything you do impacts every person in that kingdom. That means every decision you make, every every dollar, you know, if you're the king, you know, you spend all the tax dollars, you know, and every dollar that you spend, every decision you make, every every uh, direction that you take for the kingdom, every every treaty that you make, every agreement you make, every contract you sign, everything you do impacts everyone under you. In the same way. Now, this is this is a guy who is a dad, and he is. We see he's a, a spouse. We already see who he married. He married bad. He shouldn't have married this woman, but he did. Uh, but uh, I, w- I want you to to relate his kingdom and his kingship to parenthood and to, and to spousehood, you know, and, and to see that in the same way God puts people res- under us that we are responsible for. Now, I, I, backing up that, that scripture there in Ephesians, it's easy for, for us men sometimes say, no, God made me head of you, you know, sit down, and be quiet, and I'll tell you when to speak, whatever. That's not what he's saying. What did he say about, what did he say? What was the example he gave us as men? He said we're to love our wives as Christ loved the church. How did Christ love the church? He died for it. He died for the church, you know he didn't come to, he didn 't come like like a uh, Muhammad wrote in the Koran like we talked last week and and say, if they get out of line, beat them to death you uh, that 's not what he said and that's not what that 's not what Jesus did. He came to this earth and he died for his church, and that 's the same way that you and I are supposed to be guys that 's the way we 're supposed to treat our wives we 're supposed to look at them with a with a, a, a sacrificial attitude that is there, everything that we do and and, and impacts the people that God has made us responsible for. And if you're, if you're a husband, then you're responsible for a wife. If you're a, a dad, you're responsible for some children. If you're a big brother, you're responsible to some extent for some little brothers and little sisters. If you're an aunt or an uncle, you're, probably, you're responsible to some extent of what, what opportunity you have to pour into those nieces and nephews. If you're a granddad, you are responsible. There are people under you. And every person that is under you that you have some responsibility over, whatever you do is going to impact their life somehow. Think about this. When, when there was no rain for three years, everybody was impacted. Down to the smallest little baby because there wasn't enough water to keep the plants alive. There wasn't enough water to keep the cattle alive that made the milk that the babies might drink also to sustain the moms. You know, there wasn't enough. And, and, and so everybody was impacted because... And so dads, listen to me. Husbands, listen to me. I'm, I'm in your shoes today. Me and God, we've gone a couple of rounds with this sermon this week. He preaches these things to me before I get to come in here and preach them to you. He steps on my toes all week long before I come in here and he has me step on yours. I want you to know I'm in this thing with you. And I can tell you, everything we do impacts the folks that are around us that we have responsibility over. We've got to remember that, okay? So let's go on. So Obadiah, uh, Obadiah went to meet Ahab and told him, and, I, and Ahab went to meet Elijah. So God speaks to Elijah three years later and says, Elijah, I'm going to send rain now. Go tell Ahab. So Ahab goes and finds Obadiah. He says, hey... Tell, I need to talk to Ahab, and so he ends up meeting with Ahab, and he tells Ahab, you know, hey, it's going right. Three years later, there were opportunities There were opportunities for repentance. For how many years? Three whole years. He could have, he could have said, God, I, I messed up. For three whole years. But when Elijah comes back to him and talks to him three years later and has not been rain, where's Ahab? He hasn't, he hasn't repented. He hasn't changed his mind. He hasn't torn down the altars to bail. He hasn't started worshiping God and leading the people in worship. He has yet to repent. Opportunities for repentance have gone unheeded. Now, so here's what Elijah tells him to do. God's going to send rain, but here's how he's going to do it. Get all the people together from all over Israel to meet me on Mount Carmel and bring the 450 prophets of Baal and the 400 prophets of Asherah who eat at Jezebel's table. 850 false prophets. And you know what? It'd be easy for Ahab to say, look, they aren't my R. Are. You know, they aren't my responsibility. I didn't, you know, I didn't set up Baal worship. I wasn't the one who created that. I, you know, the other kings before me, they, they had prophets to bail. And, you know, he could try to pass the R off to somebody else and say that's somebody else's responsibility. But you know what I find right here is Ahab sent word throughout all Israel, and he assembled the prophets on Mount Carmel. With the word, he was able to call all of those prophets to the top of the mountain. He had that much authority. He might try to pass off uh, the responsibility, pass the buck per se, and say, that's not my responsibility, these prophets. But he sure knew how to get them together in a hurry. And you know, sometimes we want to say, it's not my responsibility what everybody else in my family's doing. I can't fix this. I can't do this. It's not my responsibility. But you know what, Dad? He sure knew how to get them together. And with just a word, because of his authority, they showed up on the mountain ready to see what God was going to do, even though the the false ones did as well. Are you listening to me, Dad? 850 false prophets. You may feel like, you know, that, that you, you can't do hardly anything, but you're not, you're not, you're not, uh, catching it if you're not understanding that God has given to you, uh, not just a responsibility, but an authority. You have a spiritual authority and you can call, and you know what? You can call them and they might say no, but you can call them and when they say yes, you've got a, an awesome spiritual authority that draws them into a place a, a, a place to get close to God. You have the responsibility and you have the uh, the ability to do it. Um, midday passed. They could, oh, okay. Uh, they got to tell a little bit of the story here. So here's what they did. He got them on top of the mountain and, uh, and he said, okay, here's what we're going to do. Uh, he, he says, why are you going to just sit here and, or halt ye between two opinions? I think it's the way the King James said it. Why are you going to just stay here between, it, look, if Baal's the true God, then serve Baal. But if Jehovah, If our God Jehovah is truly Jehovah, if He's truly God, then serve Him. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to have a contest here. You pray to Baal. You 850 guys pray to Baal. And I'll pray to Jehovah. And whoever's God answers with fire down out of heaven. We're going to serve Him because He's the true God. Now, some people have said, well, it was just lightning. It wasn't like God did anything great, supernatural, miracle. I'm okay with that because let me show you where the miracle still is not there. Midday passed. They continued their frantic prophesying until the time for the evening sacrifice. But there was no response. No one answered. No one paid attention. Here's what happened. 850 prophets, they began crying out and screaming the bell. They start cutting themselves and they start worshiping in all kinds of weird, vile manners that they can worship, and they pray all day long. And no, if you want to call it just lightning, okay, lightning. No lightning, no, no fire, whatever it is. Nothing comes out of the heavens. And so you might say, well, it was just lightning. Well, let me tell you, Jehovah shut up even the lightning all day long, and they couldn't do anything. There was no answer. But here, here's my question, is I see, I see Elijah, I see 850 prophets, but where was the king? Where was the king in the middle of all this? And that's the question we've got to ask ourselves: Where was dad? Where are you, dad? When, when all this is going on and, and we're trying to find where God is, where are you, dad? Where are you, husband? Where are you, man? Come on, we've got to ask that question. And so then here's what Elijah does. Uh, he, he, um, he says, okay, look, uh, now it's my turn. You've all had your turn. Now it's my turn. And so we, I remember we, I cut these verses out because we just don't have time to read them all. You need to read the whole story in its entirety later. But he builds an altar. One man of God. 850 have, have done all kinds of crazy things all day long to try and get a false god to answer, but the, nobody answers out of heaven because Baal's not in heaven. Baal's not even real. And, and now one man of God builds an altar, and he starts praying. Prays this little bitty simple little prayer, little bitty small prayer. And, and, and he prays it. And you may, you know, you may think, well, you're, you're against so much. I mean, as a dad, my my goodness, you look out there in the world today and think, man, I'm fighting so much junk out there. And my kids are picking up at school that they're, they're getting. I mean, you know, it used to be we were worried what they learned on the bus. And now, you know, then we started worrying what they were learning off the internet. And now we're worried what somebody is texting straight to their cell phone, you know. And you think, man, I'm fighting so many battles here. This was one man built an altar. You need to get that, dad. You need to get that, husband. One man built an altar. And he prayed a little simple prayer. You know what happened? Fire. Okay, you want to say lightning? That's good with me too. Lightning came down out of heaven. Still a miracle because God shut up the heavens all day long until the man of God prayed a prayer. And then lightning came down out of heaven. And it ate up the sacrifice. And the word says that the lightning or fire also devoured or destroyed the stones that he had had built the altar out of. That's a miracle whether it's lightning or fire. God did it when the man of God began to pray. And here's what happened. When the people saw this, they fell prostrate. They cried, the Lord, he is God. The Lord, he is God. But i still got a question. I see Elijah. I see the false prophets. And I see the people falling on their face before God. But where is the king? Where are you, dad? Where are, where are you in this picture? Sadly, in this picture, in, in, in this parable, basically, I'm, I'm kind of giving this to you today as a parable, true story, but I'm giving it to you as a parable about us. Where are we? In, in this story, the king is us, dad. And where are we when God is beginning to move in our families? You know what? I don't want to be an Ahab. When my, when my daughter begins to see God do something great, I don't want to be so distracted with everything else going on in my world that I don't realize that God's doing something awesome. I don't want to see my, my son on his face before God calling out and praising him and saying, The Lord is God. The Lord is God. And I'm so caught up in all my little things that I miss the fact that God is trying to get my attention and do something powerful through me for my family. Where is the king? Where's the dads? Where are the husbands? (coughs) A little farther into Ahab's life, Ben-Hadad, king of Aram, mustered his entire army. Accompanied by 32 kings with horses and chariots. He went up and besieged Samaria, the capital, Ahab's capital, and attacked it. And he sent messengers into the city to Ahab, king of Israel, saying, This is what Ben-Hadad says. Your silver and gold are mine, and the best of your wives and children are mine. Now, here's what he does. He attacks Ahab, and he said, Look, I'm coming, and I'm going to get you silver, and I'm going to get you gold. It belongs to me. I'm coming to get it. But he also says, I'm coming to get you wives, and I'm coming to get you children. And what does Ahab say? The king of Israel answered, Just as you say, my lord, the king, I and all I have are yours. Say what? What did he just do? What did he, he just gave away his family? He just turned it all over. I mean, this is a guy who would think nothing of thumbing his nose at God. Had done it for years. We think nothing of blaspheming God. We think nothing of, of making God angry. Yet one king says, hey, I, w- I want your silver, I want your gold, I want your wives, I want your children. And what does he do? He says, okay, you can have them all. And in the parable, guys, for us, the question is, what are we sacrificing our families for? What things are so important to us? that we are willing to turn loose our children, to turn over our marriages? What things are so important to us? I asked an early service, anybody bought a boat lately? Nobody raised their hand, so I went in and used that as an example. I said, you know, buying a boat, is that more important than having financial blessings that you need for your family? You know, what's more important? I love... I love football. Last night there was a big game on it for Alabama fans, you know, and I reluctantly was an hour late to the TV because we had a family wedding, you know, went and sacrificed, going to that family wedding, you know, and whatever. And, you know, there's, there's just some things you got to do for family that are more important than football. I, 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 not don't, don't worry, I recorded it. I saw it in its entirety. (laughs) But there are some things more important than football. What's what's the most important thing in your life? That's, that's, That's it. But what is it? And we need to ask ourselves, come on, Dad, you need to ask yourself, what is it that you are sacrificing your kids over? You need to ask yourself, husband, what is it you're sacrificing your marriage over? Big brother? Uncle? Friend? What is it that you're sacrificing those nieces and nephews and little brothers and little sisters over? you got to ask that question. Well, this is the one I was having a hard time. I, I just don't have time to finish this sermon. This, let me, I'm going I'm to run through this story for you. Here's what happens. There's a guy named uh, Naboth. He's got, a, he's got a piece of land right next to Ahab's palace, and Ahab really wants that piece of land. So he goes and asks Naboth for it. Naboth says, "I can't give you that piece of land that was given to me by God, to my family, by God." And so you know what Ahab does? He goes home and sits down, puts his head in his hands in his fist, you know, and begins to pout. Big old, he man of a king, and he goes home to pout. What an example. We sometimes. oh man, this, this 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 wasn't one of the thoughts, was it Mike? But what an example we set for our kids. What an example we set for our grandkids by our pouting, our thing well he started he was pouting and so his wife Jezebel, this evil woman, she came in and she said, "What are you doing? what's wrong with you and he so he tells her, and he's all boo, 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 you know they won't sell me that piece of land, whatever she said i 'll handle it." He knew what she meant. She went out and she hired people to falsely accuse this guy of something worthy of death. They carried Naboth out and stoned him, and then she went back and said, "Ahab, Naboth's dead, you can go get that piece of land now, and then God sends Elijah. Back to him, the prophet, one more time. God says, you can, find, you can find Ahab over in Naboth's vineyard in his land, his piece of land, because now he's gone over done that. Mike, can you jump ahead to where he gives the prophecy? Elijah gives the prophecy, so, tells us what he's going to do. says, uh, Elijah goes and finds Naboth, uh, Ahab in Na- on Naboth's property that he just stole from him and says, this is what the Lord says, have you not murdered a man and seized his property? Wait a minute, he didn't murder him, his wife did kind of throws out that excuse that you and I want to use that, look, I can't control what she does. I can't control what my kids do. And he says, this is what the Lord says. In the place where dogs licked up Naboth's blood, dogs will lick up your blood, yes, yours. In the in the same place. You know, we, we might want to say, well, what they do is not my responsibility. And, and, and I, I'm, I'm not in charge. I, I can't control... What they do, the lack of spiritual leadership. Look at it right there. I mean, what was he supposed to do? here's, Here's the thing, you know, he didn't murder him. But God didn't say, because your wife murdered Naboth. What did God say? Because you murdered Naboth. Now, God's going to deal with Je- Jezebel about it. She's the one. And God's going to... De- but that's not that's not the point here. And that's not the point today, guys, because this is not a message to our wives. This is not a message to the women. This is a message to us. The point is not what they've done. The point is where you and I are standing. And we can't point our fingers and say, but yeah, you know, Jezebel or, you know, my wife or, you know, it's not about them today. Today, it's about me and where I stand with God. And when his wife came back home and said, I've killed him and you can have the piece of property, he said, well, great. And he went over and took it. He was wrong and he He was guilty of the murder as well. And God came to visit him and says, I'm bringing judgment today because you are wrong. And so that's that's where we stand here today, guys. It's not about somebody else. It's not about how bad our kids have been. It's not about how bad the friends of our kids have been that have led them into something. It's not about our wives and how bad they've been or who has influenced them to be bad. What what it's about right here, right now, today, it's about me. It's about you. It's about where we stand with God. And God wants to know what we're going to do about it. Because God says, I'm bringing judgment on you right now. And the very first time his family is mentioned, and it's mentioned in judgment. A, a husband, a, a, a dad, and the first time we hear anything about his kids is about the judgment that is coming down on them. Listen, some of you, some of you are children of unrighteous dads. And listen, I I don't want anybody to go off the deep end because I've I've seen people go off deep end on all kinds of stuff in church, okay? And and I'm not saying there was, you know... and I'll talk to you about curses and those kinds of things. But, you know, whatever you believe about that, let me tell you this. If your dad is not a righteous dad, he is bringing things into your family, into your life that are going to be passed down. And if you are a child of an unrighteous dad, you need to pray and you need to pray and you need to pray. And then you need to start obeying. You need to listen to every word God can tell you. You need When you read the word of God, you need to say, Please, God, speak to me out of this word and start operating in obedience so you can break this chain of all the stuff that, that your, your unrighteous father is bringing into your life. And if you are the, uh, the wife, Of an unrighteous man, and he's not following after Jesus, he's not chasing after him. Man, you need to pray even more so. You need to pray and pray and pray and do everything you can to break that chain also because he is bringing wickedness, he is bringing unrighteousness, he is bringing evil into your marriage, into your relationship, and you need to pray over that and see. And my heart goes out to you today. And I'll tell you, I'm gonna tell you something, dads, I'm gonna tell you something, husbands. I spend a lot of time talking to people. I have for now 17 years of pastoring. I've spent a lot of time talking to people about the stuff that is in their life because of an unrighteous dad or an unrighteous husband. And you and I have the right responsibility and ability to step up and be the men, to call them to the place of prayer, get them to the mountain where they can be with God, where they're supposed to be, and see God do amazing things again in your family. It's not about what they did. It's not about how bad anybody else is. It's not about what she said or what those kids did. It's not today. It is about whether we are going to accept responsibility that God has given to us as men. And here's the the end of it. He says, I'm going to bring disaster on you. I'll consume your descendants and cut off from Ahab every last male in Israel, slave for free. So you know what? And he says, I'll make your house like that of Jeroboam, son of Nebat, because you have provoked me to anger and have caused Israel to sin. And also concerning Jezebel, the the Lord says, dogs will devour Jezebel by the wall of Jezreel. Dogs who eat those belonging to Ahab who die in the city and the birds of the air will feed on those who die in the country. Judgment on his house. Let's go to our last scripture. I think we've got two more verses. When Ahab heard these words, he tore his clothes. He put on sackcloth. Jamie, if musicians have come. When he heard these words, he tore his clothes. He put on sackcloth. He fasted. He lay in sackcloth and went around meekly. He did Finally, he did what was right. Finally, he prayed the right prayer. Finally, he sought the Lord, but look at the next verse. Then the word of the Lord came to Elijah the Tishbite. Have you noticed how Ahab has humbled himself before you? God God pays attention. Are you seeing this, guys? Even this evil guy, when he began to cry out to God, God paid attention. No matter how bad you've messed up up until today, God will still pay attention. He says, "Have you noticed?" And because he has humbled himself, I will not bring this disaster. I wish we could stop it just right here. Put a period right there. Because because he has humbled himself, I will not bring this. It Wouldn't it be wonderful? But God couldn't stop there. Here's what he had to finish. He said, I will not bring this disaster in his day, but I will bring it on his house in the days of his son. God said, because Ahab has repented, I'm not going to do this thing right now but it's going to happen before his son dies you listen to this dad we might can somehow twist this with God just enough to get by get through another Sunday and not deal with the obedience issue not deal with the sin issue not deal with the irresponsibility issue Not deal with the temptations. Not deal with hidden lust. We might get somehow get our way around in a little while. But judgment's coming. And here's the sad thing. Is there's coming a day. Listen to me, Dad. I want you to get, I want you to hear this, Dad. I want you to hear this, husband. I want you guys that aren't yet married or parents, I want you to hear this as well. There is coming, sadly, there is coming a day that it will be too late to pray this prayer. I'm not talking about death. You know, because salvation, you you, can with your last breath, I believe you can ask God to forgive you. You can ask Him to be your Savior. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about the promise. I'm talking about the favor. I'm talking about the blessing. You just look at it very easily to see. We can mess up our lives so badly that God will have to create this earth all over again to straighten it up because you've messed up so badly. We can mess up our marriages so bad that the only way for God to fix it, I mean, there's so much junk here and here and here and here, the only way for God to fix that is put you in a time machine and go back to your the night of your vows and start over with you. See, that's what I'm saying. There is coming a day that it's going to be too late to fix the blessing, the dream, the goodness, the beauty, the awesomeness, the favor, and have all the promises. Salvation is always available to the last breath. I believe that. But the legacy that you're going to have, there's coming a day that it's going to be too late to hand down a good legacy to your kids. There's coming a day There's going to be too late for you to have all God's blessing in your marriage. You're going to have to deal with the best you can do over all the junk that you've created. You're going to, you're going to have to deal with that. Dad, there's coming that day. I mean, I, I think we see it in Scripture, but I, I see it in your lives. But the best you can do. Dad, we don't know when that day is. But let's make sure that if it's tomorrow I don't skip today I want to ask every man Every male in the house To stand and come here Or to stand up and come down here and stand with me In this altar area Men who aren't scared of the R word Come join me Men who embrace the R hey, We got any embracers of the R word today? embrace the armor. I embrace my responsibility. I get to walk up to the plate with two outs. I get to run out on the field as time is expiring and kick the 45-yard field goal and put my team over the top. My team, my wife, my kids, my future wife, my future kids. I'm not scared of the armor. I I, you know, I, I'm not an over super spiritual weird weirdo kind of guy. I'm weird in a lot of ways, but I'm not a weirdo in, in the over super super hyping of the spiritual aspect of things. And I won't say this unless I know I, I, unless I know this. But I know God spoke this to me this week. That there is coming a day that it is too late to pray this prayer, and it can happen before you're married, guys. You can mess up your life so much, I mean, I, I, I can take you to the guy, I can take you to guys houses, and they don 't have any hope for a beautiful marriage and two point seven beautiful kids, whatever the American average is these days they don 't have any hope for that because they messed up their lives so much while they were your age there's coming a day, I believe. I believe everything in me this week, God spoke this to me to tell you there's coming a day that, that prayer he tried to pray was a good prayer. it was pray too late, too late for the, for the beauty, too late for the dream, too late for the favor, too late for the vision, too late for the good, all the good that God wanted for your life. Let's not let that happen. I'm going to pray over these men. Anybody back there love anybody down here? Come stand and get behind them. Get as close as you can to him. We're going to pray, and Jamie's going to lead us in a final song. And remember, listen, don't start singing until you finish praying, guys. We got some praying to do. Got some junk to pray about. Got some junk to pray about. We are responsible. So I want to invite everybody to come down with us if you.